Pod. Pod. Havlicek stole the pod, and the Warriors stole a win at TD Garden. There's nothing else to talk about today, Chris. Nothing else matters. I don't even know who the Celtics are playing after this one because... It's, it's the Nets on Monday. It's Brooklyn Mondays. January is all of about course. Brooklyn Mondays. Three out of four Mondays in January, we got the Nets. So I think we should just ignore the Warriors game. Let's talk about Brooklyn. <laughs> I'm so, just, I, of course, I'm just kidding. Let's talk. Who about makes it Warriors. further in the playoffs this year? The Nets or the Celtics? It's a worthy conversation. We will get to that later on <laughs> in the show. In the show. So, give me your thoughts. What do you think of the game last night? I was in awe of the Twitter reaction, as we just talked about yeah. before we got on the air live. I, I thought the Celtics played a phenomenal game. You know, they mostly. In that first half, kept DeMarcus Cousins out of the game. In fact, I thought he was going to follow out in that second half with how well they handled him. Didn't end up happening. He made big plays late. Kevin Durant started slow. He made the big plays late. And, uh, you know, Steph Curry was Steph Curry for most of the game. So you kind of got, I'd say, about 75% of the Warriors' maximum effort. In the end, they were throwing their best defense at you. And they still made mistakes in the final moments that gave you a chance. I think the most disappointing thing for a lot of people was the fact that you had three opportunities in the final minute to tie it or take the lead, whatever it was in that stretch. And they blew all three of those. You know, Steven said it too, that Morris look was really the good one out of all of those. But even that didn't fall. And I think that was what left the sour taste in the fans' mouth rather than the three quarters that they really had the Warriors number before that. Yeah, I mean, you, you had missed opportunities and squandered some chances there at the end. They realistically, in that last 90-minute minute stretch, whatever, however long it was, they squandered three chances. You had Kevin Durant throwing Hail Mary passes to the Celtics bench. And, <laughs> and there was just some weird things going on where the basketball gods were really giving the Celtics some chances, and they just could not capitalize and yeah there was some issues with late game execution but I think you're right I think there are a lot of positive takeaways from this one I mean you're playing basketball as elite that's an elite defense people don't really you know when they talk about the oh, Warriors they turned they, it up in the fourth they quarter did, they, they were did phenomenal. they did and I mean when people talk about the Warriors they talk about the fact that they can score 150 points at will da, 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 da. but the fact of the matter is they're an elite defensive team too and that showed at the end. They took the ball out of Kyrie Irving's hand. Klay Thompson did a really good job with his perimeter defense. And and that was ultimately the difference because the Celtics didn't really know where to turn once Kyrie couldn't get the ball. And that's a problem, and that's something they'll have to work on. So that's a negative. And, of course, we'll talk about Gordon Hayward. He was probably a negative, too. But, you know, as a whole, they responded. The Warriors kind of went off a little bit in the second quarter. And the Celtics kicked back. And that's something Brad Stevens has talked about a lot this year. This team doesn't really respond to those runs in the moment well. Normally they'll respond to a second quarter run by going on a 10-0 run in the fourth quarter when it's too late. Well, last night they actually did respond in real time. So I thought that was a great positive too. I mean, Kyrie was great. Jason Tatum had a pretty solid third quarter. He woke up after a slow first half. Al Horford was solid. I mean... I thought, Horford, I thought Horford played his best game of the year, and that yes. was my big takeaway. Is that if you're if you're going to get that from him come playoff time, and they have in the play, postseason these last two years, yeah, you're, they're going to the be finals. a different team. Yeah, and they'll, they'll make the finals, no question, if that Al Horford returns. I mean, he was 10 for 15, 13 rebounds, 
three assists and 22 points. Oh, the rebounding was – oh, he dominated the boards. Yeah, some of those offensive rebounds he got too gave them great second-chance opportunities that they you know, mostly really took good. advantage of. Off. They did. Um, I, mean, they, I do have – they were they were eight on those second chance opportunities. They were eight for fifteen, and the and I, I thought that was and I thought that was that was pretty solid. I mean, there's not they've had games earlier in the year where they have had a lot of second chance opportunities, but not a lot of second chance points. So I thought that was a positive. Yeah, you're right. I, I love that stat right there. My eyes did not deceive me. Uh, my eyes did not deceive me on Irving either. And for the first time, Chris, and you you brought it up just a minute ago. I haven't seen many teams cut him off the ball the way the Warriors did in that fourth quarter. They're right up there for number one defense. I think that's undersold on them. And the way they were able to keep him off the ball, force turnovers when he was trying to press the issue in that fourth quarter, those two turnovers he had played a big role in the outcome. They did. He mentioned mentioned that too, and so did Al Horford. It seemed like they were kind of tough on themselves individually about certain turnovers. But yeah, you're right. Continue. Yeah, and Smart had the big mistake, too, on that free throw. Right. Steven said he slipped. It was just a bad play all around, but he wasn't boxing out Green. He was rushing into the basket, and yeah. that opened up Green for one of those bounces you just never see on free throws, and now it ended up probably deciding the game right there. I don't know if they would have converted after that. The way yeah, they who knows, but they would have had another chance. You're right. They would have had another chance. And I mean, that's, you didn't again, give yourself it, a chance. Yeah, and it was just that perfect bounce that went right back to Draymond. And it was kind of weird whether he slipped. Al Horford in the locker room after said it was a miscommunication between the two of them. So e- either way, it's a slip up, and that's a problem. Um, let's talk. There, there was a lot of people just going nuts on Gordon Hayward afterward, and I've got a lot of thoughts on this, so I need to try and figure out how to narrow this down and get my thoughts in order. Gordon Hayward has been very inconsistent over the last couple weeks as he's starting to get back into, you know, close to form, if you know what I mean. Um, And I think consistency has been his main problem. And, of course, last night it it was a rough night. Uh, But I don't think this particular matchup is one to judge him on. I think that this game last night the game against the Warriors had no place for him on the offensive side of the ball he's been a step or two slow all season long and that really comes to light when you play an elite team like Golden State and it did last night you could tell he was slow and it's almost like you his think mind the pace of the game threw him off the pace of the game threw him off there's it, when the pace of the game is that quick there's no place for current Gordon Hayward mm. like he he just it, he can't keep up with it and it's and he probably realizes that too because you could tell he was frustrated at times and and I thought he was fine on the defensive side of the ball. There was a lot of people just going nuts over him on Twitter that he needed to be benched or whatever. And to be fair, I think he probably shouldn't have gotten as many minutes as he did down the stretch last night. But he wasn't bad on the defensive side of the ball. He was slow on offense, and that hurt them. But on the defensive side, he had the best defensive rating on the team, you know, ruling out Daniel Tice, who only played three minutes. But on the offensive side, he had the second worst offensive rating, also ruling out Daniel Tice. So, I mean, it's kind of back and forth. What do you think of Hayward? I, I also thought one real quick before I let you chime in. I uh, Seeing DeMarcus Cousins play in his first couple games following his injury almost makes it more difficult to watch Gordon Hayward because Cousins looks so, like, almost like he's already back to half of himself he's already back there was one play last night that really stuck out to him me with him and i did want to talk about cousins quite a bit tonight because you know he's the deciding factor in whether we still have a league this year or not (laughs) (laughs) yeah seriously i don't think we do (laughs) and so there was one play where he 
ran out on a three-point attempt. I forget who was taking it. But in succession, he contested the three-point look and then just got right out in transition. And I, I believe Curry threw him the full-court pass that Horford just had to follow him from behind on. Yeah, that yeah. was that was old cousins on this play right there. And I thought a lot of last night he let his temper get the best of him. The Celtics threw some big looks at him early that got him off his game. But you know, he was able to work back on that second half, and he had some key trips to the free throw line. He goes six to seven at the line. That's what he can do. He hits a three pointer. The guy just gives them a lot in that defense, in the uh, offensive end of the floor, and everybody can run that pick and roll around him. It really is a lineup that's you know going to be hard to imagine going anything less than like a twenty thirty net rating the rest of the season when they have those five guys on the court because they can just do it all. The defense was just a problem. <laughs> yeah, he did I mean, not look good on the defensive end. That pick and roll early where Hor- he was just standing out the three-point line and Horford had the wide-open walk to the rim. They're going to have to give and take on the offense and defense. With they him, really are. Because like, right. it, was, it was a bad thing for the Celtics when he got into foul trouble and he left the game. Mm. Like They couldn't target him on the offensive side of the ball because it was – I mean, it was a no-brainer. He was, he was just a total liability. But I think a lot of the, the – he he doesn't have as big of a responsibility on that team as you know he would on another team. So it's kind of like he can freelance and play his own game. And God, having a a big with a basketball IQ like his out there is such a difference maker for them. Well, he can watching. he can run some sets for them. He can he do really it all. can. It's it's pretty it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Um, you know, so, I will say this though, and you you brought up a good point right there. Good points all around, Chris. <laughs> You know, Steve Kerr, I think he sort of did the – remember when uh, the Cavs coach there, who was Ty Lue, said that uh, the Celtics threw him for a loop when they put Semi Ojale in the game. I thought those big minutes for Kevin Looney in the game threw the Celtics for a loop a little bit because he he himself didn't have a huge impact on the game. But I think that lined the Celtics up where they had to go with a lot of minutes for Hayward, a lot of minutes for Morris and those smaller lineups. I think they could have used more Baines tonight, but the lack of – Cousins, especially in that first half, prevents you from putting him on the court. You would be toast if you had Baines on the court when the uh, Warriors are throwing the small lineup at you. Yeah, and I think that's part of it. Like, Baines didn't play in the second half. He didn't get a yeah. second half minute, and obviously he got into some foul trouble in the first half. But, like, you're right. If They, they stuck with Looney, and it's just similar to what I was kind of saying about Gordon Hayward. There wasn't really a place for Baines in this game. Yeah. It would have been interesting, you know, on certain sets to have him underneath the hoop when Sean Livingston was just by himself underneath because they're running these, they're they're so smooth. Some of the sets they run on the offensive side and their ball movement is so crisp. It's the picks makes, are great. Yeah, it makes me jealous, man. <laughs> it makes me really jealous. It's it's pretty pretty fun to watch. But let me get your thoughts on on Gordon. What are your takeaways from Hayward? There was a lot of people kind of losing their mind about Gordon on both sides. What, what do you think? Obviously, he wasn't great last night. I'm a, I'm a bit terrified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because are you terrified it, from the last night? Because I don't think last night is the game to be terrified about. Because like you're not going to face another team like that. Well, the inconsistency concerns me. Okay. Because yeah, you, ha- you have the 30 point games against Minnesota, and you're like, all right, this is what this guy's capable of. So that that's where the ceiling's set for him. Right. And then it, they'll have nights where he's missing layups, and that, like that's what stuck out to me most about last night. Not his slowness in the game, or some of the defensive mishaps that people might have been pointing at, or you know his lack of three point shooting that wasn't contributed in there. It, it was the miss layup. 
that, that stuck out most to me because, you know, he yeah. comes back early in the season. He misses a layup like that. You're like, all right, he's just getting back into it. But we're almost in February at this point. And that was a big play in that game. You, you got to finish there. You got to finish with force, tenacity. Kevin O'Connor had some great stats about his approach. <laughs> I was, there. I have the tweet pulled up. I was about to read it. Yeah, well, let's hear it. Same, same wavelength. He, uh, are you talking about the specific stat I was looking at? Was about his drives and yes. his, yeah, his passes. So you want me to read it out? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So Gordon Hayward, great, great minds think alike, Bobby. Good work. Uh, Gordon Hayward is passing the ball on 50% of his drives to the rim compared to 33% from 2013 to 2017 and drawing fouls on just 5% of those drives compared to 10%. Uh, KOC went on to say that his playmaking is good and his passing will come, but he's still way too passive attacking the basket. And he's right. You can kind of tell. He's not going to the basket with the look of getting to the rim. He's going to the basket with kind of like, eh, maybe I'll just kick it out. I don't know. It's, it's almost like he's got the yips. And that's fine, but there's a lot of people in the Celtics who are approaching basketball in that manner. You'll have nights where Horford's really pressing the issue to score, and I think last night was one of those nights where he just did a phenomenal job taking it to the mismatches. So yeah. in, in, in cohesion with Horford, it wasn't a problem last night, but when you have both of those guys you know, trying to make that extra pass a little too often, and then Smart's another guy who will go to the rim and be looking to pass more than looking to score on a team that needs more free throw attempts as we've talked about all year long that needs to score in the paint more when your main facilitators and those are three or four facilitators right there looking to pass more than they're looking to score on the drive inside I think it just makes you less effective at collapsing a defense so yeah one of those guys has to step up and actually put the ball in the net when they get there every once in a while yeah, and I mean it's it's tough because a lot of times it comes down to late and there's some ball watching going on with Kyrie and they're expecting him to be the guy that gets to the hoop and you saw that with the late game execution or lack thereof because they took the ball out of out of Kyrie's hands. Does that that worry you at all? Watching them kind of like stand by and then Kyrie loses, you know, he can't have the ball in his hands, and then it was kind of like, all right, who do we turn to now? Because the initial plan, of course, you know, when they brought. Gordon Hayward in was that was going to be him but right now that's yeah, you, not the case you should you should look at this roster and say the secondary playmakers up and down it who should be able to run sets for this team you know in that spot the guy whose hand it should really be in is Horford yeah. you know you gotta run that two-man game right there that they've done so well the past agree, few weeks and that. especially last night for stretches you gotta get it in his hand and take advantage of that extra pressure that they're putting on Irving but the team Sort of did freeze up in that moment, Chris. I saw it there. They didn't look like themselves as far as the movement went. I thought the one guy who really bailed them out in that spot, and who is an underrated playmaker in his own right, was Tatum. I thought yeah. he had an underrated game last night. Three assists, good shooting night, and that made the key pass to Morris that probably could have tied the game to the Celtics in that spot. That that was exactly what they needed in one of those last three possessions. and. Morris, we should probably touch on him for just a second because he hasn't been the same shooter since that injury. Three of twelve last night, and that's a just, shot that even Steven said he, he he makes that. Yeah, and he just didn't really look that comfortable out there. I mean, he was he was fine. What he finished with, he was he finished with nine points. I think he was three for twelve, so not yeah great. He didn't have he had a you know if you're looking advanced wise, he had a pretty good offensive rating. He had a terrible defensive rating. I think he had the worst on the team besides Baines, I believe, and the defensive markets. I, I don't know. I mean, he just didn't really look settled. He looked okay in the third quarter alongside Jason Tatum. They both kind of woke up after halftime. 
But that's a guy who earlier in the year they really turned to like a lot as a big scoring presence. He was the most consistent player up until about a couple weeks ago, and now it's not necessarily the case. So I think that's probably a concern because if you had someone tell you a month ago, say, all right, game's down to the wire, they take the ball out of Kyrie's hands, who are you looking for to go get a bucket? A lot of people would probably say Marcus Morris, right? Yeah, and he was looking for those buckets early, and he, he was off on a lot of those isolation plays, the ones where he's dribbling around a lot, trying to get into that net. And he, he was getting to his spot, but he just wasn't quite finishing in those positions. So yeah. I'm, I'm wildly concerned about that. And I, I saw this coming. When he got an injury like that, the neck, back, that core of your body is so important to shooting. Even if it just threw him off a tiny bit, he was going to be below that you know, stupendous consistency that he was throwing out there for this team night in and night out with the 50, 40, 90. That was going to be tough to maintain to begin with. Yeah. And now that you throw this into the equation, it's like, all right, can you even get to your average statistics? Never mind right. that high mark. Right, and I mean, they're going to need him, especially as Gordon continues to work his way back because they can't rely on Hayward right now. I mean, they, they just can't. Last night I was with Jeff Goodman at the game, and he talked to someone, a player in the Warriors locker room that said, you, you can't have Hayward out there in a game like that. He's a liability is what mm. the player said, and, and he's right. It's not. It's just not, and it's no knock on him. It's a long recovery process, and a lot of us at the beginning of the year said it's going to take – until maybe like the All-Star break, maybe a little bit after. So I think there's some hypocrisy you know, going around because a lot of us said <laughs> we were going to be patient with him, and that's not necessarily the case. But still, I, it's it's going to be an issue. Let's let's rotate here to the positive side. What was your most positive takeaway from the game last night, if you had to Irving, one? Irving is still an MVP candidate. And he is, as your centerpiece of this franchise, he is a monster in this matchup. This Warriors have long had a time a hard time keeping up with him, defending him, and containing him in these matchups. I thought defensively, again, he was active and sensational. And he is a centerpiece that I think you could win a championship with in this matchup. You're going to have to have other guys keeping up with his production. But in that first half, man, some of the shots he was hitting, that tip-in that he just magically made go in the basket. It's pretty ridiculous. Uh, some, <laughs> pretty ridiculous. some of the layup angles he's hitting, yeah. the crossovers. Oh, it's, it's, it's become so much fun to watch him night in and night out. You know, He's not going to win the MVP this year, but he's having that caliber of a season where you just have to tune in every single night to see what he's going to do. Yeah, in a, in a non-hardened world, he's an MVP candidate. And, I mean, it's his footwork is remarkable watching his footwork and his ball handling his ability to get to the hoop and pass guys on the perimeter is just pretty ridiculous and and it's again he's a centerpiece like you said you can there's a there's a kind of a common theme around the Warriors that they do fear the Celtics in multiple regards and Anthony Slater from the Athletic wrote a solid piece on this earlier this week leading up to the game but I think a lot of that is Kyrie-centric. Like, you remove Kyrie from that picture, they're not nearly as afraid of the Celtics as they were. So, again, he's he's a major, major centerpiece here. Yeah, I'd say the Nets wouldn't be fearing them too much without Irving. <laughs> They'd be a much hey, different team no, without him. No knocks on the Nets here. No knocks on the Nets. So, what do we got this week? We've got the Nets on Monday. We've got the Hornets on – right? Yeah, the Hornets on Wednesday. Wednesday. And then the Celtics jump on the road. They go to the Garden, Madison Square Garden, on Friday. And then they return Super Bowl Sunday to face the Thunder. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where they go from here. Of course, there's some positive takeaways. Brad Stevens, after the game, said 
like any coach would, we came in expecting the win, so we got to get better, continue to improve. There wasn't too much, you know, intriguing sound after last night's game, but either way, man. What would you say? What are we gonna do without sound on this show? We're gonna we're gonna struggle. We're gonna struggle. I think we're thriving right now. I think we're thriving, but I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll kind of see where they go from here. The mood in the locker room wasn't really like I don't know. It wasn't like dull or anything like that they were fine it Kyrie didn't really seem that upset in his post-game press conference so I don't know it was a fun game a lot of people were saying it was a playoff atmosphere Kyrie shot that down very quickly that was probably the one quote that stuck out for me uh he was basically like no it's a regular season game it's not possible to have a playoff atmosphere in a regular season game you can't you can't do it it's not possible you can't do it even on ESPN even at 830 I I do have I do want to bring this back to the East real quick because something big did happen in the Eastern Conference this week that we can't ignore Victor Oladipo yeah what a sad sad story that is even if it's going to benefit the Celtics oh brutal yeah I mean he's a guy who's worked so hard to get where he is he's obviously one of the best players in the eastern conference best players in the nba as a whole he's going to be an all-star it's really really too bad um from a from an eastern conference perspective then you kind of look at where the pacers go from here they're 32 and 16 they're currently the third seed uh game up on the sixers and i i don't i don't know if they have that many other options here. I mean, they it's it's it really puts them in a tough spot, but it's Doesn't really that, unfortunate to see. That probably flips the East upside down a little bit at this point. I'd say like they're still a playoff team, you'd imagine, but they're, they're still a playoff up, team, but they're certainly they're not where they in, were. Yeah, they're going to end up in the lower half of the East, you'd imagine, unless they really just you know rally around his loss and the other guys step up. But then you see it's probably going to be Celtics, Seventy Sixers moving in that top four little spot slots there, and then. They end up taking a dive down to five or maybe six with the way our Nets are playing. Yeah, yeah. I still think the the Celtics will get the third seed. That's been my opinion for the last couple weeks. I still think that's the case. I just don't really trust Philadelphia. But, yeah, you're right. Indiana's now going to fall down. I don't see anyone getting to Toronto or Milwaukee. I think they are, at least at the moment, head and shoulders above everyone else. That's that's kind of my feelings on that in that regard. Uh, it's just so devastating because I think that was one of the great stories the NBA had. It's like one of their one of their premier franchises really was able to rise to that level with a player who played college in that state who pretty much returned back as a guy who was overlooked. And you know, there's a lot of super teams being formed around the NBA, multiple stars leading the way to you know phenomenal records and accolades and all of that. He was really just carrying that team on his back night in and night out as the lone star in that situation. So I was in awe of that, what he was able to do, and you hope he's able to get back to that. But with an injury like that, we're seeing with Hayward, you just never, ever know what, what they're going to return to. Yeah, really unfortunate. So shout-out Victor Oladipo. Prayers to him. And, uh, Bobby, anything else before we wrap up? Got a week of three games here and then maybe we'll do an episode towards the end of the week uh if not we'll recap the three game sweep this time next week next weekend the three game sweep is that a prediction you bet <laughs> you bet that's a prediction you bet nice All right, little home stand. let's do it let's do uh, it res- right. respect to those nets I-, I laughed at them a few too many times tonight they are a great team so i'll apologize for that in retrospect no like, laughing good. at d'angelo russell or spencer dinwiddie no laughing here <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, We will be on Apple, 
Stitcher, all of that soon. So stay tuned for the Celtics blog page and our page is Chris Granham at Chris Granham and at Real Bob Manning. Uh, we'll have some updates on that sometime this week, I'd imagine. So enjoy your week.